Okay, good morning, ladies and gents. We're really excited today to be holding a live interview for Truck and Drivers podcast series. We're going to be recording it today for the podcast. Um, Doogie editor, Doogie ranking rather, editor of Truck and Driver, is going to be leading the interview today. And we've got a very special guest in Paul O'Callaghan. So you're going to hear them, hear them conduct the interview together, and then afterwards there'll be an opportunity. If you've got any questions for Paul, then fire them forward, and, and, and we'll take those at the end. Thank you. Over to you, Doogie. That's great. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but uh, Truck and Driver magazine's been running a podcast since the start of last year, and we're up past about 80 episodes now. Um, I've got um, a group of driver contributors uh, called Team Truck and Driver, and Paul as part of that. Um, he spent quite a lot of time driving in Australia over the past few years and recently acquired dual citizenship. So as um, part of what we wanted to do at TIPEX, do some talks and things, we thought it would be interesting to get Paul over to talk a little bit about his experiences in Australia and how he managed to get out there and sort of uh, build a career and all that sort of thing. Um, Paul also writes a number of articles for the magazine, which you might see as well, from his um, general adventures now back in Ireland driving trucks um, and also going out interviewing hauliers and operators and things like that in Ireland where he is based. So, Paul, delighted to uh, be speaking to you in person as opposed to on Zoom, how we usually do the podcasts and things. Yeah. Um, but I, you... Um, moved out to Australia a few years back and did a lot of driving for a big livestock company, um, which, I mean, doing something like that is a dream for a lot of drivers, you know, to go out to Australia or Canada or America. How did you manage it? How did you get into doing that? Yeah, um, well, I've always been uh, very interested in trucks and truck driving was something I've wanted to do since, uh, since I was young. And I suppose for me, the, the holy grail was always Australia, even when you were a child. And you were playing with toys, you always wanted to hook on the most amount of trailers you could, so uh, in terms of livestock haulage, that's, Australia was where I wanted to be. So I left a little bit late, I was 33 years old when I went out there, which made it a little bit difficult because uh, getting the license is not really that difficult. What's, what's uh, difficult about it is um, trying to get the, uh, the work visas. So I was just over the, the, kind of the, the age, the threshold, but I managed, to, I managed to get sponsored out there and uh, just couple of lucky breaks and got to meet people and, uh, and that's how it started. But I, I went out 33 years of age uh, on my own, didn't really know much about it but um, it's very hard to organise it when you're on the other side of the world but when you go there and you meet people in person you'll always find out a lot more. So that's how so, it started. Aye, so the, the threshold for going out to Australia, is that still the same today pretty I, much or I'm not sure. changed, ba- you know? But, uh, yeah, back then it was 30, you had to be under 30 years of age to get, the, uh, you could get a one or two year work holiday visa. I think it may have been raised to uh, 35 now, but certainly for anybody who's, who's in their, say, 20s and, uh, and maybe that's, that's probably the ideal time to go. So basically what you did was, did you just go and book a holiday and a flight to go to Australia and yep. spend it sort of trying to contact hauliers, meet them face to face and that, things? And yeah, that's, that's what I did. I went, I, went on a, I went on a holiday visa and um, I, I thought I was a little bit uh, kind of green. I thought you could work for cash out there, but... As, as, as it is with anywhere now, cash, cash jobs are kind of gone, so you really need to kind of go through the, go through the, the proper channels. 
And um, I suppose the, a lot of the, the big question I get asked is, is about the license. So I was able to transfer my Irish license into uh, an Australian HC license, which is heavy combination, which meant I only had to do one test then for MC, which is multi-combination. So you basically you do your test in, in a B-double, and I think everybody will be familiar with what, what a B-double is. And then once you get that license, you're allowed to drive the, the biggest. What, well, just what is the B-double combination? That's a truck. That's a truck, a tractor unit. Yep. With a trailer. Yeah, a trailer. With a dolly, and then another trailer. Uh, no, no. A, B, a B double is where you have the fifth wheel on the on the lead trailer. The mm -hmm. fifth wheel is mounted over, with say the the, the tri axle, mm -hmm. and then your uh, next trailer is hooked onto that. Is that what I just meant by a dolly? It's, well, there is no dolly. So a dolly a dolly is where you have. Ah, yeah, you're calling. Ah, you're talking. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm calling it the wrong thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So some of the terminology is, is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So you have, you've got to do an extra test to do, to, for the road trains, yeah. as you would call it. Yeah. So how many trailers is that? Is that so like two or three? Or? It's only that's only that's only a B double. So it's a B double. Your, a B -double right. Yeah. And all you have to do is reverse the B double in a straight line. So it's actually not, you've, you've just have your you have your you have two, basically two fifth wheels. You've only two points of articulation. So it's it'll be like anyone who's driving would say a rigid and drag, you know, with a mm. with a turntable. So it's 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 not that bad. Just reverse it in a straight line, and then once you get that, you can you can drive anything. Mm. Like some of the gen, the general uh, length limit out there for road trends is about 53 meters. Uh -huh. That'll be your, st and then they go up to with permits. Then they go up to 60 meters. A lot of companies now are running uh, big uh, quad side tippers up in in um, mining areas such as Port Headland. So they're they're getting bigger and bigger all the time. So there's there's uh, the biggest one at the moment is a, there's a Volvo FH16 700 with a quad tipper running 33 axles and grossing 234 tons mm. road legal. So where did you go first um, in Australia, and who gave you your first start as a job? Did you have to like go back to Ireland again and then no. go back over once no. you got like sponsorship and visas? No, and I stayed there. I, did, out? I stayed there. I didn't come home for the first two and a half years. Right, so you I got, got out and didn't come back for that. No, no, right? I got I got sponsored by uh, Road Trends of Australia. They're, they're the biggest livestock hauliers in Australia. So primarily livestock, but they do, um, they do they have a lot of mining equipment and that as well. So I got I got sponsored by them. I started off in Perth on a B double, just transporting. It was cattle and sheep, and then I spent uh, probably I did eight 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 seasons. So it's when when you move to the north of Australia, it's uh, it's a tropical climate. So you just have a wet season and a, and a dry season. Mm. So we did most of the work was done between about March and October, November. So I did I did eight seasons up there, up in Broome, which is a very remote place up in the top of Western Australia, and also up in up in Darwin. So it's uh, it, it was in it was really you're really in the outback up there, which is which is what I went to do. So you just you went out when you never came back. Were you like living at home at the time? Did you leave like a house that was empty for no, a great deal of time. How did that? How, how, did how, that it, work? how it works because the, because the work is so seasonal and they don't have enough drivers in, in the north of Australia, the company provide accommodation on site. Uh -huh. So you get, you get your own room, like a dong or shower, toilet and all that, mm -hmm. because they, they, need to, they need to attract the drivers. There's very few drivers living in that part of the world, especially doing mm -hmm. those kind of jobs. So um, it meant that you could, you could actually save quite a lot of money because you, weren't, you didn't have to pay, pay rent. So that's what I did. And then in the off-season, then I might move, maybe move back down to Perth and do a bit of work down there where you'd have to find a room room to rent but uh right, but back home in ireland when you left did you did you expect that you were just going to not come back uh no no i don't no, i think i went just with an open mind i went just to try and see if i could get a start first of all mm. and do it for a year and that year turned into turned into eight years but it's um 
the thing about Australia is it's very, very hard to get. Uh, it took me about four years before I could apply to be a resident in Australia. Four and years. It, it, yeah, and then it took me it took me another few years before I could become a citizen. So the whole thing took probably six, seven years, and uh, mm. now I have a dual passport, so I can come and go as as I wish. Dual but, passports are the way forward. Yeah. So what kind of trucks were you driving out there? Because Australia is very much different to the to Europe, but they've got quite a unique mix of trucks because they've got Kenworths and kind of American-derived bonneted vehicles out there, yeah. and also they're starting to get more European vehicles in there. But yeah. also they don't have Euro 6C sort of vehicles there yet. They're still like 700 horsepower rather than 750 in the Volvos, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing about the thing um, out there, it's not necessarily about having maximum horsepower. So I think uh, Volvo were, have been reluctant to introduce the, the, the seven, twin turbo, the 750s out there because it's, it's, it's all to do with operating temperatures. The engines are, mm-hmm. the engines are, are, are operating at such high temperatures. So a lot of times you'll find that even though guys are pulling big weight, mm-hmm. they'll be using the 600s because they're, they're just operating at a lit, slightly lower temperature. But Kenworth is the biggest, um, up, up until recently anyway, Volvo have been catching up with Kenworth. Is the biggest brand, so that's when I went out there. That's that's what I was driving, and uh, sitting into a Kenworth after being driving a, a European truck mm. is actually like stepping back in time. They're very, very old, old-fashioned inside, and it took mm. me a long time to to adjust. because ah, those Ken, the Kenworths that you got, I mean, what's the model numbers of them? Because it's a proper square bonneted, yeah. pop riveted, old-fashioned thing. The cab's yeah. not really changed that so, much since the 60s, and neither has the gearbox either. Yeah. So you've got those, but the Australians still love them. Is it just because they're so basic and tough? Is that the reason? That's, that's it? it, yeah. So I, I had heard these stories that the, the European trucks don't stand up to the conditions out there. And I was a little bit kind of sceptical about that. But when I went out there and saw the... I was actually in the, in the, in the moment driving on, on, uh, on off-road corrugated tracks. I could see why, why the Kenworth trucks are... So they're, they're assembled in... Uh, they're Australian-only models. They're assembled in, in Melbourne. And... Uh, they're completely different to anything else, like the American ones, because the, the, the cabs are uh, the cabs are jacked up. It's all about trying to get a bit of uh, cooling into the airline. But they're very, very, very tough trucks, and they like them just for their rugged simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Road Ranger, Road Ranger gearboxes, um, purely that's for toughness. That's that's the old crash gearbox, which was that's that was deleted in the UK about 20 yeah. years ago. The Road Ranger, you would have got that in certain models of Ford and the ERF, but of course it's still going strong today yep. in Australia. But how is it, because automatic transmissions are just kind of starting to filter in over there. Yeah. Um, well, obviously with Volvo with their eye shift, but you also had at one point, you had a Kenworth with an Eaton automatic transmission in it as well. Yeah. So it was how, did, how did you find that compared to the kind of the old school Road Ranger, which are, I guess a lot of the sort of hardcore Australian drivers wouldn't have wanted to drive yeah. that automatic truck. Correct. Yeah, the, the, the drivers out there, a lot of the drivers, especially in the outback, they're very, um, they have very set views on, on, you know, it has to be a Kenworth and it has mm-hmm. to be a Road Ranger and all that. So I, I had a I had a Kenworth T nine oh nine with um with an Eaton. Uh, I think it was called it was an Ultra Shift Plus. Eaton Ultra Shift. Yeah. So it was it was 18 gears, and uh, it was a truck that was bought for uh, distributing. Fu- they had it as a fuel truck, so it was a big six by four with a uh, 15 liter Cummins in it, but the the automatic gearbox. I took it 
to try it on the livestock work mm-hmm. and and it went everywhere it went out through the outback places that lad said it would, it would get stuck it did everything so it, it just kind of goes to show how, how how good the technology in the automatic gearboxes is um is is progressing and, and i had no problem with it with it at all okay the, the, the when I first drove a road ranger, it was, it's a very, very unusual gearbox because you, you have to kind of match the revs to changing gear. So it took me a little bit of time to get used to it. Once I got used to it, then they're they're quite nice to quite nice to change gear. But for for city driving, I, I don't know how they're still persistent with with those road rangers. You, you know, you really can't beat a nice Opti Cruise or or, an, or a, an ice shift, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Right. Now, I remember you, you did a really good article for us. Um, a year or so back, because when you were in Australia, you also managed to go on holiday to New Zealand, yep. because you had some contacts over there. And New Zealand probably has the greatest variety of trucks in it in the whole world, I would say, because they've got European, they've got like sort of Japanese, yep. Asian trucks, as well as your American-derived sort of things as well. Um, how did your trip to New Zealand kind of come about? Did you build up sort of contacts, and what, what did you kind of experience going over yeah, there? So What's New Zealand like? So in, in, in Ireland, and I'm sure in England it's the same, you get, we get a lot of drivers coming in from Eastern Europe and, and uh, even South African places, but in, in Australia there's a huge amount of uh, Kiwi drivers, so guys coming over from New Zealand there. So I built up a good few contacts with guys that, that, that were, um, because it suits them for their seasons, they're, leave, they're leaving the winter in New Zealand and they're coming and enjoying the, the summer in Australia transporting cattle, so I built up a, 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 quite a few contacts there and uh, I went over and, and hitchhiked around and just to have a look around there with the with the guys, so it's it's quite a, quite an interesting country as well, and, and especially the the mix of trucks. Right, what's the la- what's the landscape and things like that there? It's very different to Australia, isn't oh, it? Look at the pictures; it looks yeah. you know completely, very yeah. hilly and sort of green and yeah. Well, you have you have the south the South Island, North Island. The North Island is very 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 mountainous, a lot of hills. So I went around for a week with a friend of mine. He was driving a Scania 730 rigid drag cattle truck. And once I saw the hills he was going up out there, I really, really saw the, the need for, mm. for big horsepower. The thing, about, the thing about Australia is that you don't really get those big, big, long uh, hills. So even, you know, we were, we were at the, at, on the livestock, we were about 60 tonnes empty, 100, 120 tonnes loaded. The, the engine, 120 tonnes loaded. Tonnes loaded, yeah. yeah. Uh, the engine is only rated to about maybe five, 580 horsepower, which doesn't sound like a lot. But once, once you got a rolling, you didn't really have any problems at all. Mm. There was very little stop starting. Aye. Whereas in New Zealand there, there are a lot more big hills. Aye. So you'd spent quite a lot of time in Australia, and I know that you'd wanted to. You came back for a short while because we went to fill out the pipe in 2019. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe you had to go back out again to finish your. Yeah. Something was, to do with your. Kinda, um, yeah, it was just just to finish off my citizenship. Yeah. It kind of dragged. I came home a couple of times. Mum was uh, terminally ill that time, so I came back and I had sort of left left my uh, visa application. Hanging. But any time I come back to Ireland, there's always everybody's well aware of the driver shortage, so there's mm. there's did always you, plenty of work. And you, you got a bit stuck though, didn't you? Because of coronavirus, did you have to spend quite a lot of extra time in Australia because of that? Yeah, that was when. So I was in uh, New Zealand in um, March of 19, just when the p- pandemic hit. 20. So, oh, sorry, 20 was it? I'm losing track of the years. But when, when I came back to Australia, um, I had to do a two-week quarantine in. Uh, in a, in a hotel in Sydney, so basically you were just put into a room, and uh, there was a guard on, it on every floor, and that's where you were told to stay for for two weeks. So I didn't mind it at all. It gave me when you're used to living in trucks and oh. and, and kind of you know, uh, port cabins in the yards. The uh, two weeks in a hotel was fine. 
a nice break. A nice break, yeah. So, did, did a bit of writing uh, and catching up. So, so once you got the um, citizenship thing sorted, what um, was it always your kind of plan to come back to Ireland again? Uh, yeah. Uh, and do you think do you think that you might be going back out to Australia again in the future? Yeah, it was a, no, it was always a plan to come home. It's um, I always said if, if I had to th- choose between the two countries, it always home is always where the where the heart is. But it's nice nice to have the option to uh, to go back again in in the future. But just kind of towards the end of it, they just uh, just just about had enough of driving on car you're driving on corrugated roads. Everything is kind of rattling around you, dust. Like you're, you could be on those roads just for maybe you're working for a particular cattle station. You could be there for a couple of days. So towards the end of it, I was just really looking forward to coming back and driving on some nice, uh, smooth tarmacadam roads and ha- having an air suspension uh, Volvo or Scania underneath me. So the novelty had kind of worn off by then. What are the hours that you can drive per day in Australia? So it's so. You have to look at Australia as it's, it's, a, it's a huge continent, so all the states have different rules. Uh-huh. So in Europe, it's you know we're all it's all driving under one um, hours, but in Western Australia and Northern Territory, there are no logbooks mm-hmm. at all. No, not at all. So if you go mm-hmm. to Victoria, like New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, you have to fill out uh, basically it's it's just a, a, like a, a, a diary, yeah. and you can be asked for that. So we didn't we didn't have, and that was that was probably the main reason I went actually to, to drive in Western Australia and the uh, and. <laughs> And the Northern Territory, you didn't, you weren't uh, regulated by hours. But the company, I suppose, kind of saw the writing on the wall. They, mm. um, especially the livestock industry, had a, had a reputation for, you know, lads taking drugs, staying away for days and days on end. So, uh, or going, sorry, going for going without sleep for days and end. So they brought in their own policy whereby from midnight to 6 a.m. all the trucks stopped. Mm-hmm. Even if you were loaded or unloaded, that's it. You had to pull up. And I think the minimum now the break you're, you're supposed to stop for seven hours at night time. So now it's like mm. if you pull up at midnight, you you, you, can, you can't go again till until seven a.m. But I think uh, they probably were talking mm. to the insurance companies. I think a lot of the trucks were being crashed and turned mm. over in no. in the wee hours. That, that's when we all fall asleep, you know, two or three a.m. Mm. in the morning. So so I always maintained like you, you can do enough if you can't do enough in eighteen hours in the day, it's probably not no. really really so, worth doing. Um, so. Obviously, the driver shortage is enormous news at the moment. It's the biggest story in transport at the moment. Is there, are, they, are they looking for drivers in Australia yeah. still at the moment? Is it on like the shortage occupation list for them? Well, that, that's, that was the thing that, was, that made it difficult for me. They, they, didn't, they, don't, they don't classify driving as a, as a, as a profession. So you mm. can, a lot of guys will have, a, maybe a, a, they'll have a, a mechanics qualification or a, or a welder's qualification mm. and, and they go driving that way but I know it's in, in cities like Melbourne and that now they're bringing in a lot of Indian drivers yeah and they're so they must be getting on a, they must be making a special visas for them but there, there is a shortage there no more than uh, no more than, than anywhere mm. else in, in, uh. in the world maybe not just as chronic but uh, there is still a big shortage of drivers uh, so you came back to Ireland last year and of course you were immediately inundated with offers of work, you've been out driving yeah. all manner of different trucks, and you've been on, on so many different European yeah. trips as well yeah. since then. Yeah. Um, much of which has been uh, uh, detailed in the magazine. Um, what, what's it been like coming back to the to the European trucks um, after driving the, the the Kenworths and things? Have you got any particular favourites? Um, and is there any you'd particularly like to drive now that you're back uh, in Europe and in Ireland? Um, I suppose, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really miss driving the Kenworths. To, to, no. to, to be honest, um, 
look, I've driven such a wide. It's, in Ireland, it's it's mostly kind of Volvos and Scania's. That's what I'm get. That's what I'm seem to end up driving all the time. I still haven't driven the new Aveco. I still haven't driven driven the new new Renault T High. But next next weekend, I'm going to uh, do an article on a guy with a an FH flat cab, FH 540 tag mm-hmm. uh, dynamic steering. I've never tried that dynamic steering. Um, so it's a dual clutch tag. That's what I'm going to drive next week and 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 see what that's like. No, that'll be good. I like the dynamic steering in the Volvos because it's like super light. You can steer it with like one one finger. The technology yeah. that's in the yeah. latest ones is uh, yeah. unbelievable. And of course, yeah, it would be nice to try and get you out into a more variety, bigger variety of trucks. You were driving, I mean, in, in the course of finding features for trucking driver, you sometimes pick up work as well. Because you yeah. ended up, you were doing the concrete, you were doing a job with concrete beams. And then most recently, you've been driving a really unusual Actros as well. Yeah. The, the harvest stuff. That was, uh, that's a, a 2000 Reg 1853 Megaspace 4x2 on full air, which uh, was bought new by by farmers. So, the, so they specified it on air. So 20, 21 years ago, specifying a truck on, on air, especially a Megaspace for, for farm work, was quite unusual. But I went to drive, I went to do an article on it, and then I ended up uh, driving for them the harvest. So. I was pulling, uh, I think we were talking about that, I was pulling uh, a lot of guys here who are familiar with tippers who probably know about a Neville Charles, which was a... A uh, Neville Charles tipper? Yeah. Is that, that, that's quite rare. It's not a name I'm familiar with. Maybe some yeah, sort of um, yeah. it's a, it's older guys ma- might know. Neville Charles tippers? In, in Mans- Mansfield, ma- I think. Mansfield. Yeah. That was the tipper you were pulling. That was, so I had a 2000 Reg Mercedes, but I think the, the tipper might have been from 1996. Right. So I had that and... Uh, and, and an SDC, uh, put an STC as well. So I was um, haven't done a huge. I did a bit of tipper work in Australia as well, um, when the cattle was quiet during the during the off season, mm-hmm. and that was on, on the wheat harvest down in uh, on the on the wheat belt outside Perth. So we were we were put, pulling two trailers that time. We had a, actually had a dolly in between, mm-hmm. and you just tip up tip up over the over the A-frame of the mm-hmm. of the of the second trailer. Over the last sort of week or so, like uh, the country has been crazy. We've had fuel shortages, petrol and diesel. England, the further south you go, the worst it's got. And obviously, we've got the, the driver shortage. What's it been like in uh, the Republic of Ireland? Has it been as bad for drivers? Have you guys been having any problems with fuel or anything like that? Just no. in general, no. No, haven't had any, haven't had any problems at all. But, uh, but there's, there's, there, there's still a big shortage of drivers. I know it's in um, probably in about. Maybe July or August, whenever there was uh, some of the restrictions that were being lifted, a lot of drivers mm. were taking holidays. So my phone was kind of ringing pretty regular then, with, with companies looking for looking for uh, to fill driving seats and, and make up for the drivers that were on holidays. But uh, no, we, we definitely haven't had any fuel shortages. So no, but the, the, you're, you say the, dri- the need for drivers is as bad in Ireland because we've got sort of supermarkets trying to do golden handshakes and offering crazy yeah. money for. Uh, yeah. That, uh, look, I'm not convinced about a lot of these adverts. They're all very vague and things like that. But it's not the same to yeah. the same extent in Ireland. You wouldn't reckon, no? No, no not as bad. But I mean, driving. Dri- I think a big problem is now. There's a lot of guys that have licences and they're not they're not renewing them even yeah. just through casual work because they have to go and through that going through the um, the, the, C- the driver CPC. Driver CPC, which, yeah, because you've got that in Ireland. Which yeah. is which the is cu- absolute nonsense. The curious thing as well is, but because Ireland is still in the EU. And much of the British driver shortage has been blamed on Brexit and a lot of drivers going home as well. Yeah. But because Ireland wouldn't, in theory, have had that sort of problem. 
No, we, we still get quite a lot of drivers from, from Eastern Europe over there, mm-hmm. so I suppose it might be maybe a little bit more attractive for them to drive in Ireland now than it is in, in the UK since, since Brexit, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, you've been, uh, you, came, you went over, you had quite an adventure the other week, you went to the retro show, which I didn't go to, and I sorely regret going to it, because it was supposed to be one of the best shows yeah. of the year. But um, you went over to that, what did you take over? You had quite an impressive setup that you took over to because you had your own truck, yeah. And a trailer. You want to go tell us a bit about? Yeah, so tell I've, us a bit about your adventure I've, getting hold of that um, Volvo that you bought. I've, I have a 2000 Reg uh, F816 520 left hooker that, that came as a one owner truck that came from Crease, which I only bought recently off uh, off Tom Holding, well known dealer in Holland. And I also have a 1996 1853 uh, Eurocab as well. So I got I got a loan of a Newtboom trailer and brought the uh, the Mercedes out behind the behind the Volvo. Mm-hmm. And retro shows, we had a fantastic time with the retro show. And everything was going well until uh, I got pulled by the DVSA in Stafford on the way home. I got done. I got done for a flat spot on the flat spot on. You on got yanked tired. at Stafford on the way back. I got yanked at Stafford Sunday night. Yeah, about half ten. Ten, uh, half ten, yeah. So oh, well, I, knew, I knew they were going to find something, but that's all they could find was a flat spot on the tyre. But still. So that's that. Your, your latest project. You bought this FH16 from Tom Holding. Now yep. he's a truck dealer based in Holland. Yep. He brings a lot of stuff in. Now that truck was originally from Greece. Yeah. Greece. Yeah. Now I remember you told us as well that you'd been on holiday and look, you were looking for a classic truck to buy. But obviously the pool of classics is kind of limited with retro things in the UK and Ireland. So you were looking a bit further afield. Um, but you found in the end that Greece was quite difficult to buy a truck from direct when yeah. you were looking for something. The, and you, had to, you eventually ended up buying it through the guy through from dealer. Holland. So the, the, the appeal with trucks in Greece is that there's such a dry climate down there. It, it, uh, it helps to, they don't have salt on the road, so it helps to preserve the chassis. So I was... I was I, try, I went down twice to try and buy a truck there, but dealing with the Greeks for a private sale can be challenging to say the least. Uh, a lot of them look for cash, and a lot of times they'll move the goalpost in the deal. So in, in the end, I decided to go through a dealer, uh, Tom Holding, and, and did a deal with him. No problem. Went out, bought the truck on scene, and, and drove it home. So you've so, got the F8, that's a version 1 FH16. Yep. And you've also got a 1996 Mercedes Benz 1853 Eurocab with a manual gearbox. That, that's a left hooker as well. Left hooker as well, Do you prefer yeah. the left-hand drive trucks? I do, yeah, yeah. In general, would you rather have a left-hand drive than a right? Yeah, just yeah I, just, I don't know. Just, when you get used to left-hand drive, there's just something about it. And, and I'm right-handed, so I like, uh, I like changing gears with, with, with my right hand as well. You're kind of working away, away uh, from me with the gearbox. But um, no, we, we, we have, there's a huge amount of trucks being imported from, from Norway now to Ireland. So the amount of left hookers on the road is increasing increasing yeah. all the time and um, it's it's I think you can you can get quite a high spec truck with, with very low very low kilometers from Norway. It'll generally be a tag, mostly Scania VA tags that are coming into Ireland. Uh, I know as you have a few in the UK now as well. That's all that's all the thing at the moment. Everybody wants twin tags, that's the twin fashion. Tags, yeah, it's a bit, of a, trucks, bit of a fashion thing. But then again I don't know some guys say that for, for, for tipping they prefer the twin tags that have a bit more stability than a single wheel tag. How true that is I don't know. I can't have money going on what I'm, what I'm hearing. Cool, well, well thanks, thanks very much Paul for uh, yep. chatting us through um, Australia and a bit of a background in Ireland and that as well. I hope you've had a, a good weekend here coming over. Yeah, no, th- thanks very much for inviting me over. It's, um, 
No problem, yeah, it's been good. It, it was good great to, to be able to come, come to Harrogate for the last last yeah, year. The show is going to be here. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the kind of sad thing is that the, this is the first and last drivers' day that we're doing at um, Harrogate because it's the last year that this is going to be here. Next year, it's going to be the Road Transport Expo, which is moving to Stonelea Park, which promises to be a, a fantastic event. But Harrogate's got its own personality about it. There's nothing else like having a truck show in the middle of a town. Um, so we've got that to look forward to, but I'm glad that we were able to do at least this once, do this once, and have our driver's day here. So I mean, we're uh, happy to take some questions on anything related to trucking driver, Paul in Australia, you know, maybe you're having relationship issues, you know, we'll try and solve those right now for you. Uh, with your experience on the B-doubles, would you say... Uh, suitable as an outfit in this country sorry I didn't hear the first part sorry uh, on, on your experience with B doubles yeah would you think driving one in this country would be quite good or it would be okay or it would be safe yeah could you use them in the UK or Ireland the two trailer sales yeah, so, there's yeah. somebody using one of them so in Ireland we, on we, trial, we, we have um, I'm not sure of the number but there, there are a couple of B doubles run, running on set routes in Ireland but say on, on motorway routes between between Dublin and Cork, and, I, and they're, they're working fine. I can't see see any reason they wouldn't. Once once you have them on on set on set routes, they 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 would work fine. And even I noticed um, just from driving in, in in Europe, I've noticed quite a few. Um, uh, is it 25 meter combinations? So in, especially in Holland, and even I was driving on on the autobahn in Germany, and a, a Dutch truck passed me, which was a rigid, rigid with a dolly and a, and a 45 foot trailer on behind it. They have they have quite a quite a small turning circle, so I can't see why why they wouldn't work here. Um, you'd be surprised where, where they can go, especially those um, those rigid and drags at 25 meters in particular. My my only concern with them is uh, working them here as highways England and them shutting four different motorways every night and shoving them through Stafford and all manner of different well, little villages. I think they would work in principle no problem here, but I, I don't trust uh, our road planners not to go and get them, send them somewhere they really shouldn't be. Yeah, and even I notice in, in, there's a lot, a lot of places you go on, I, was, I think it's, it might be some sort of an EU directive where they're bringing footpaths more and more out onto the road, so the road, instead of roads getting wider, the roads are getting smaller. The UK. And I think it's to do with the fact that so the, the pedestrian is walking on, on the on the highway for the least amount of time possible. So I see I see that even guys will tell you that driving trucks trying to get a trying to get a normal Arctic trailer around a lot of these kind of towns where they have the footpaths is quite a challenge. But certainly on the highways, I'd be all for B doubles and big Hi. combinations. Yeah, no problem. Hi Paul. Um, I was just wondering with the the hours that you were driving in Australia, yes. you would be covering long distances. So how did you cope mentally and and with say boredom or, or yeah. you know yeah. the, the same land the, the same landscape yeah. and also your food and your well-being you know how did you look yeah. after yourself and your yeah. sleep you know to yeah, keep that's, yourself that's basically healthy. No, good question. I, and I actually had to, I, I had to, on the way here I, I thought about mentioning that and I actually I forgot. So when I went out when I started driving in uh, out there in 2012. Um, I didn't have didn't have a, didn't have a smartphone didn't have any of these things now it's you know we're all Spotify and, and podcast to deal with boredom but you're right it was very very extremely boring in the start and when I when I started my first season because I was a newbie they didn't give me the kind of the the, the sort of um, the off road bush work which is a bit more technical so I was a bit more or less on the highway between Perth and Broome which is about two and a half thousand kilometres with basically nothing to see so when I when I left Perth you'd see a sign Mikatara 600 kilometres. And 
I didn't think, to be honest with you, in the start, I was like, no, this is, this is not for me. But it's kind of like anything after a while, you just kind of become become a bit immune to it. But looking back on it now, it, it, mentally, it, 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 um, it, it's, it, it, no, it wasn't probably a great, uh, a great place to be. Over time, since I got, like I said, the smartphone, and, and when you, kind of, you get out on those long drives, you have your you know, podcast, audio books, and, and you can deal with it. But you, you have a, 60, or a big 40-litre Engel fridge, bring all your own food, and uh, I always had a little kettle beside me just making coffee and, and just trying to eat well. Oh, yeah, all, yeah. All, always did. Yeah, always did, yeah. And, and Roadhouse, Roadhouse food is... Um, it's, it's 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 not great a lot of the time. So I used to go to go to the supermarket and, and bring an awful lot of meals with me. Had a microwave in the truck, but certainly you have to. So just to answer, sorry, one uh, in, in relation hours. I think we I think we were allowed to do about 17 hours in the day, something like that. We were a little bit kind of uh, lax, and we, we we filled out a work diary which we gave to the company, and then the company when they when they got inspections by the equivalent of the DVSA, they were able to say, here, our guys are, are doing their hours and taking their 24 hour break. So it's coming in a little bit more, but but slowly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're Just a quick one, really. Uh, first of all, your podcast fantastic. I use it to send me asleep on a night. Thank you. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but yeah. no, it's great. Uh, I think you're absolutely fantastic, Paul. Come across very well. Uh, bit, bit more uh, chatty than Chris Madison, although don't tell him that. <laughs> he's, he's here, by the way. No, don't he's, tell him. He's here somewhere. I hope his new scanner is working out for him. Uh, but no, keep the podcast up and uh, keep the magazine as it should be. And uh, keep on trucking, uh, lads. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, nice thanks, to get the feedback. thanks very Thank much. We've got some uh, good stuff planned for 2022. No, no, I'm not quite finished yet. No, no, no. I, wanted, I wanted to... Uh, make a special mention to these guys here with the Make-A-Wish t-shirts on uh, because they did some fantastic uh, charity work uh, over the course of last year. Uh, Haley, do you want to, uh, can you take the mic over? Just like that. Because you, you were almost in the Guinness, but Charlie sitting in the second row there, he won the Truck and Driver Hero of Hollage in 2019 because of all his charity work. And Ryan Lindley here with the mic at the front, he also did, was it 30 truck pulls in 30 days? Um, and it should have been in the Guinness Book of World Records, but they wanted a phenomenal amount of money to go and put it in there. So do you want to tell us a bit about what, what that was all about and what it is that you're doing this year? Do you want to stand there? Oh, no, you can. Um, hi, guys. So every year we pick a different charity. And it's just a team of truckers off uh, Truckmate UK on Facebook. We all get together, raise money for different charities each year at the shows. Well, obviously, during lockdown, we couldn't make it to any of the shows. And we just picked Make-A-Wish to be our yearly charity. Um, and we were all, all a bit bummed out that we couldn't get out, couldn't raise funds, couldn't do our fundraising that we usually do. Um, I'd got home on Friday night, um, sunk a few too many, too many drinks and gave Charlie a phone call and said, I've come up with a great idea. Um, I put my idea to Charlie, who laughed and said, I don't think it's going to be doable. Speak to me when you're sober. So I gave him a ring the next day. I says, right, I want to pull 30 trucks. But we said originally I was going to pull a truck every day of a month. We didn't know what date, what month it was going to be. So then we ended up picking September, gave us time to plan it. So the, we then came up with 30 trucks. 30 days, 30 metres. Do you want to um, explain exactly what you mean by a truck pull, what it is you're doing? Yeah, so basically it's myself with a harness on, 
um, and then lashed to the front of a truck usually by the towing eye and then with pure brute strength and I guess ignorance uh, pull it over a distance um, so we picked we got in touch with different hauliers that were local I was working during the day racing home get changed, get washed, get all my gear together and then uh, head to different hauliers who let us pull their trucks um, we went for we went for the Guinness World Records it would have set two world records and broke a third but as Dougie was saying um, when we contacted them they wanted £7,000 a day to come out and authenticate it and as I say we were doing this for charity it was just a bit the, the getting in touch with Guinness was just a bit of fun along the way to uh, to give it a bit of press behind it as such um, so we then had to send the videos in and still to this day that was a year ago today we finished we're still waiting for them to hear back from them um, they did confirm that it had set two world records broke a third but obviously you've got to wait for the, the proper paperwork and trails but during it we had the um, the go for, uh, just giving page and things like that going for everybody and we raised in total just just over ten thousand pound in that month um, we went for the heaviest pull which was 56 and a half yeah 56 ton was the heaviest the fastest pull over um, 30 meters which was 18 seconds uh, from dry start to, to finish um, and then the most consecutive trucks pulled um, on the 6th of September last year we pulled two trucks lashed together uh, two, two DAF units uh, so yeah it was, uh, it was a good fun no, no it's an absolutely fantastic, fantastic effort and I think you've got have you got an official presentation for um, what you've raised on the 27th of November is that <laughs> we were going to keep it a secret, but unfortunately we can't, can't keep my trap shut. For the whole year, we have raised so far £27,000 for Make-A-Wish, just by Ryan. Well, that's amazing. Well done. But what we, we've actually got invited here is if we can break the £30,000 barrier. £2,000 short, or just over. So every little, if you've got a quid to a pound, please come and donate. It all goes to make a wish. And in November, we have got a presentation night to hand over the large cheque, which we will do. I'm hoping Dougie's going to attend. Uh, I will be, hopefully, yep. Yeah. I don't have one in the diary uh, for that hopefully. day or any other day. So really hopefully, these days. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so hopefully we'll, we'll time break that barrier and make some kids, well, put some smiles on their faces because of what's happened in the last couple of years. It's not been good, but uh, us took drivers, we've done our best. We'll keep on doing it until we're, well, we're no longer here. Each year we'll choose a charity and keep raising money for various great causes. Well, thank you very much. No, it's fantastic. You do some amazing work with Truck Mate UK. So, uh, w well done. Th thanks, thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Right. Is that us? Any other questions relating to Trucking Driver, Australia, anything like that at all? Got one more over here. Hang on. Uh, with the present truck shortage and you know driver shortage, yeah. Don't you think it would have been a, a good place to uh, kind of promote a, an increase in weights in this country that every government seems to put back? But the well, proof of people like uh, Paul driving in these big machines uh, in Australia and 
they're showing the benefits from emissions, carrying more productivity and everything. Well, you can see... There's nothing at the show that's been mentioned in anything for the highways. Yeah, you can absolutely see it. 32 tonners should easily be increased in weight now because that's... Well, you go back 20 years, you could get 21 tonnes in a 32-tonner. And nowadays, because of all the extra equipment that's fed to them, you get substantially less. And that's not progress. They should be upped in weight. If you look at Ireland, Ireland can run five-axle rigids, and they can also put more weight in their Arctics as well. So we're behind. We're running less efficiently in the UK as a whole. And it, I personally also think that the B-double sort of longer combinations is viable as well on set routes with a bit of extra training for the drivers to go and use them. But it's a bigger vehicle and it doesn't fit with the sort of political... So they want to use technology and things like that and it will just be negative press, oh, gigantic juggernauts and scary big lorries on the road, I don't want them near me. I think it's a kind of an uphill battle for the industry in general. But aye, we should absolutely have larger vehicles that can pull more weight because the engineering exists now to do it. It's as simple as that. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, I think we'll wrap things up for today. Yeah, no, but that's great. Thanks. We'll thank get you some so line. much. Thank you, Paul. That was uh, excellent. And thank you, Doogie. That's all right, no problem. Brilliant. I hope you've all enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.